0: Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Help me welcome my online campus. What's up, y'all? Good to have you. And you may be seated. You may be seated. Well, I grew up in church... And I hated every single second of it. I hated going to church growing up. I mean, I would go kicking and screaming. I hated it. And I think that honestly, looking back, the thing I didn't like the most were the rules. Because I'm not what you would call a rule follower. I don't like being told what to do. Anybody else? doesn't like? Yeah, be honest this morning. Yeah, okay, all right, I like you. You're my people. The honest people. I, I didn't like the rules. Do y'all remember uh, Simon Says growing up? Yeah. I viewed relationship with God and spirituality like a big game of Jesus Says. Let's, let's see if y'all remember Simon Says. Simon Says, put your hand up. Play along. Simon Says, put your hand up. Cloak like a chicken. Ah, I got some of you. I heard it. I heard it. So you be out. You be out of the game. If somebody didn't say it, you're out. And I viewed Christianity as a big game of Jesus says. Jesus says, go to church. Jesus says, read your Bible. Jesus says, pray. Oh, Jesus didn't say, look at her. (laughs) But have you seen her? You made her. Like, and if you, (laughs) and if you did something Jesus said not to do, you were out of the game. Shame, shame. And just to be honest, man, I liked being out of the game. (sighs) Life seemed simpler, easier, and it, it seemed more fun at the time just to be out of the game. But then I would go to, you know, a youth conference or a youth camp, just like we're taking our students to 12 conference, I'm telling you. Parents, sign them up. Spots will go quickly. My wife and I are going to be there. It's going to be so much fun. But I would go away to a, a youth camp or a youth conference, and you know if you grew up in church, the last night of youth camp, everybody cries, and friends are friends forever, and it's all going to be different, and we're never going to do those things ever again. You come back, and what, what was my experience when I would come back, I would start playing Jesus Says again. And the better I got at the game, the meaner I was. The better I got at the game, the more judgmental I became. I would see people that weren't playing the game, and I'm like, hey, you got to do what Jesus says. If I got to do what Jesus says, you got to do what Jesus says. If I'm going to be miserable, you're going to be miserable. we all going to be miserable together and do what Jesus says. (laughs) And I became a Pharisee. And then there came a point, I was about 17 years old, where I said, Look, Jesus, I'm out. I quit. I'm not good at the game. I can't do all the do's and don't all the don'ts. I can't do it. I'm not good at it. I'm out. I guess I'll just go to hell. At least I'll know people there. <laughs> I'll have friends. And here's the thing, I was so wrong in how I viewed a relationship with God, but, I mean, with the hundreds of people represented here, we all have our own view of a relationship with God based on past experiences. So maybe you're here and this is relatively new for you. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe this is your first time here. You don't believe this stuff at all. You're like, no, I'm just here checking it out. I have questions and concerns. And that's cool, man. I'm glad you're here. But if you're here, maybe new to church, It's possible you might think of God as a distant, ethereal being that's disconnected from your daily life that doesn't really care much about you. Maybe you think of God as angry and he's got a list and he's making sure you do the right things and if you don't, you're going to get a cosmic spanking. Or maybe you don't think about God at all and you could care less, but you're just here because your friend wouldn't stop bugging you to come hear their pastor and I'm not him. Come back next week. It's going to be great. (laughs) Just come back next week. Or maybe you're like me, and you grew up in church, you've been around a little while, you know the game. You can play Jesus Says pretty well, but you found out like I did that you weren't good at it. It just wore you out. And now maybe you find yourself years later coming to church and doing religious things out of some sort of internal obligation, but you're hollow and you're empty inside. I just want to encourage us this morning, whether you've been walking with Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, if we're not careful, we can end up following a religion instead of following Jesus. And those are two incredibly different things. Because religion says, follow rules religion says follow rules be a good guy be a good girl or at least better than others check all the boxes pull yourself up by your bootstraps do good try harder and then maybe just maybe if you check all the boxes you might be good enough for god but you'll never even really know religion says follow rules but Jesus says something so much different than I thought he said. Jesus doesn't say follow rules. He doesn't say check the boxes. He doesn't say try hard or do better. Jesus simply says follow me. And that is good news this morning. He says follow me. And are there some things in your life that he probably wants you to stop doing because they're hurting you? Sure, yeah. Are there some things in your life you should probably start doing because they'll bring you more life and he has better for you? Absolutely. But Jesus doesn't start there. He says, hey, wherever you are, just come follow me. And yeah, those things that I want you to stop, and yeah, those things I want you to start, they eventually work themselves out. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more you become the person you've always wanted to be in the first place. Jesus doesn't say follow rules. His invitation for you today is simply to follow me. So for the rest of our time together, we're going we're gonna to be in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, if you have a Bible. If you don't, I brought mine. It's big. It's going to be behind me. Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse 9. And just so you know, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Our Bible's in two big chunks. We've got the Old Testament, the story of God before Jesus. Then Christmas happens. Hello, eggnog somebody. And then you got... And then then the New Testament is the story of God after Jesus is on the earth. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, and it's the first book of what we call the Gospels. So the Gospels, there's four accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of Jesus' life. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament all about Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, here we go. We're just going to read the Bible and talk about it, and we're going to have a lot of fun this morning. So Matthew is actually writing a book about himself, which is kind of neat. So, uh, and by the way, I didn't plan to say this, but this is one of the reasons I believe the Bible's true. is because it's honest about its heroes. Quote, unquote, heroes. If I was writing a book about a fake Messiah and a fake God trying to trick the world and all of humanity, I would make myself look awesome in it if I was writing about me. Nick would be great, but that's not what Matthew does. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Here we go. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Hey, Matthew, it's you. You're writing by yourself. Yeah. Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth because Matthew was a tax collector. And if you've been around church a little while, that means something to you. Uh, If you haven't been, let me just lay it down for you. In this time, tax collectors were hated. They were disgusted by society. They were shunned from society. They couldn't be a part of any sort of religious ceremonies, going to synagogue, nothing. They had no chance of relationship with God, period, done, because tax collectors were ostracized. Why? Because the Romans, uh, the Roman Empire was the superpower at the time. And Rome would conquer a lot of nations. And then they would auction off the right to collect taxes in their conquered providences. So wealthy business people would, uh, would bid on the right to collect taxes in an area, and collecting taxes back in the day was an extremely lucrative business venture with huge profit margins because as long as Rome got their cut, you could keep whatever was left So they would collect way more tax than was necessary. So these business people would go into the different provinces. This province is Judea. And they would hire locals to collect the actual taxes. And so Matthew was hated by everybody because, here's the thing, these guys would hire these locals to collect the taxes, and they would pay them an enormous amount of money. Honestly, it would be an offer you can't refuse. An offer you can't refuse. It would be an offer you can't refuse. So much money. And most people said yes, and they took it. But the moment you took it, you were hated by everybody because you were turning your back on them. Your friends, family, people you grew up with, you were ripping them off, and they knew it, and you knew it. And you were supporting the tyrannical Roman Empire that was stealing, killing, raping, and just awful. The most awful things you can possibly imagine, the Romans did it to their conquered nations. And so, here's this guy, absolutely hated by everybody else. And Jesus walks up to him. And there's a lot of things Jesus could have said to this guy and would have been justified in saying to Matthew. I probably would have walked up to Jesus and said something like, hey. Or walked up to Matthew and said, hey. I bet your mom's really proud. Mm Mm-hmm. But Jesus didn't say anything like that. In fact, Jesus says two words. Two words that would change Matthew's life forever. Two words that Matthew will never forget. Jesus walks up to this man hated by everybody and simply says, follow me. Check it out in the next verse. Matthew 9, chapter 9. He says, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. And what's Interesting about this is that Jesus was a rabbi, so the invitation to follow me is somewhat of a formal invitation. Jesus is saying, hey, Matthew, come and be a part of my group. Come be a part of my posse. Begin to identify yourself with me. And here's the crazy part. By extension, Jesus is saying, I'm going to begin to identify myself with you. And I, I wasn't there, but... I imagine the other disciples, because Jesus was getting some other people together. There's Peter, y'all know Peter, if you're a church person, you get Peter, he's loudmouth. And so I, I imagine when Jesus says, hey, come follow me. I imagine Peter's like, Haha! Jesus. It's a tax collector, man. I want to punch that guy. I don't want to be with him. Because Jesus, if if Matthew's with you and I'm with you, that means I'm with him and I don't want to be with him. There's no way, it can't be that easy, Jesus. He's a tax collector. It can't be that simple to follow you. Because Peter would expect Jesus to say something like I used to expect Jesus to say. I would expect Jesus to say, if you blank, you can follow. If you blank, you can follow. If you stop, if you start, if you stop looking at porn, if you stop stealing at work, you stop hitting your kids. You stop drinking so much. If you stop, then you can follow me. Hey, Matthew, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a report to do, and then three weeks later I'm going to come back and make sure it's all filled out in, 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 in APA format and citation is all correct, and only then I'm going to come back, and then I'll evaluate whether you're good enough to follow me. If you blank, you can follow. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus simply said, follow me. Next verse, Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. And we can deduce that Matthew actually invites Jesus over to his house. It gets good right here. Matthew chapter 10, or or, uh, verse 9, chapter 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, and imagine the other disciples are probably so upset they're at a tax collector's house. I mean, it's a nice house. He made a lot of money. They're like, the, it's the nice part of town that you don't live in and I don't live in. Yeah, that, that part of town with the, the gate, all that stuff. And so they're in the nice part of town, but I'm sure the disciples still didn't want to be there, man. They're like, I'm trying not to get tax collector cooties. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Oh, don't touch me. So check this out. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Here's what's crazy is that there's actually two different categories. There's tax collectors and sinners. The sinners are like, yo, I'm bad, but I ain't no tax collector, okay? Thank you very much. Get the record straight. I'm not a tax collector. This was like a rough crowd, y'all. I mean, these were some like r- this was rough, man. We probably got like a drug dealer, you got a prostitute, you got the tax collector, obviously, you got like a hitman, you got somebody that owns a bunch of cats, because who would do that? No one would do that. And you got it's a it's a rough, it's a rough group. And let me tell you, 17-year-old Nick would fit right in there. I feel right at home. Because I've been I've been locked up before, I've been arrested. Oh, y'all didn't know. I had street cred, y'all didn't know that. <laughs> y'all wanna know why? You promise not to tell anybody else? (laughs) Nah, I'm not going to tell you. Just Google it. No, no, wait. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. (laughs) Here's what's really cool for you and me this morning Jesus hanging out with all these people that are so different from him. People that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. Let me say that again. People that were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. And people that. And Jesus liked people that were nothing like him. So no matter where you are in in your faith journey and how close or far you may feel from God, I want you to know today that you would like Jesus. I dare you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. People that were so different from him followed him everywhere he went. Couldn't get enough of the guy. You would like Jesus. And he would like you. He would make you feel like, a gentleman made me feel yesterday at Walmart. I, uh, my, my daughter was up a couple nights ago all night with a fever of 104. She's not even two years old. So we were worried. Mama and I were worried. And so yesterday morning, we rushed her to urgent care, got a prescription, and I was waiting in line to get that prescription filled at Walmart. And I just remember sitting there, or standing there rather, in the line. And, and just honestly, I looked like a hoodlum. I looked I look just ridiculous. I had a backwards cat, sleeveless shirt, sun's out, guns out. I had basketball shorts. I had sandals. I mean, I, I, looked, I looked stupid. I looked ridiculous. But I was trying to help my little girl. I don't care. And so I'm standing in line trying to get a prescription for my daughter. And I, I kind of like look backwards. And I meet eyes with this older gentleman. He looks me up and down. And he goes, huh, nice outfit. Mm-mm. And it took everything seriously, everything in me. And I have to remind myself, you're a pastor, 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 you're a pastor. You're a pastor. <laughs> I'm serious. It took everything in me. I, I smiled and said, Thanks, and turned around. I wanted to tell him I can't say what I want to tell him in church, but I want I wanted to I wanna tell him something. No matter where you are in your faith, even if you have no faith, Jesus would not make you feel like that. He would not make you feel less than. He would not make you feel second rate. He would like you and you would actually like him if you give him a shot. He would make you feel like that. So this is where the story gets even crazier because Jesus is being shadowed by the Pharisees, which are the religious folk of the day, the church people, the the ones that are trying to follow the rules and they're mad at everybody else that does it. So they were always trying to shadow him, always trying to figure out what Jesus was doing. So the next verse, verse 11, it says this. When the Pharisees saw this, remember, because Jesus was inside Matthew's house, they were kind of partying. They, were, you know, they had Chick-fil-A nuggets and everybody's eating them and it's a lot of fun and so it's, it's good. I hate talking about Chick-fil-A on Sunday because you can't get it, but I love it. So we're just going to go there, okay? So verse 11, Matthew uh, 9, verse 11 says this. Verse 11, there we go. When the Pharisees saw this, because they were outside, Because Matthew didn't invite them to the party. Because I'm telling you, getting a Pharisee at the party, that's a buzzkill right there. Nobody wants a Pharisee at the party. So the Pharisees are outside. And I guess they asked one of the disciples, they said, hey, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They couldn't figure it out. They're like, hey, Jesus is not like those people. He's like us, but we're not invited. What's the deal? Like, Jesus is a holy person. We're holy people. Jesus keeps the law. We keep the law. Jesus worshiped God. We worship God. Like, what's What's the deal? They couldn't figure out why Jesus wanted to be with people that were nothing like him. Verse 12. So they're eating their Chick-fil-A, doing their thing. Jesus heard this commotion. You ever said something just loud enough for somebody to hear it? And then when they said, like, what? You're like, oh, nothing. You know what I'm talking about? I think it's kind of one of those moments. So Jesus hears this in verse 12 and says this. On hearing this, Jesus said, just loud enough for him to hear it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he kind of keeps going back to his dinner. Now imagine if you're Matthew. Jesus, I invite you over to my house. I share my nuggets with you. And you're insulting me in my own home? Like, I get what you're saying. They're outside, and they think you don't need, they don't need you, so they're healthy. But I'm in here with all my friends, and we're sick? Like, we're messed up? Is that what you're saying? And I imagine Jesus kind of smiled and went, Matthew, you're a tax collector. (laughs) Of course you're sick. Maybe Matthew thought about it for a second and went, oh, you're right, I'm sick. And give his friends high fives, and they keep eating their nuggets. (laughs) So let me just say something to you this morning. Let's be real. Come on. You know you're sick. You know you're sick. You know there's something inside of you that even though you try to do what's right, you don't. You know if the standard is Jesus, you fall short. You know if there's a judgment, you're in trouble. I mean, come on, you don't even keep your own rules. You don't have to be a Christian to believe that. You don't Dad, you don't even you not even careful with the things you tell your, your son and your daughter to be careful with. Come on, boss. You don't even do the things you tell your employees to do. So surely if there's a holy God and you can't even keep your own rules, surely you fall short of his standard for you. Religion says being a sinner is a disqualifier. If you don't measure up, if you're not perfect, If you don't earn your way to God, good luck. Religion says you're out, you're done. Religion says that being a sinner is a disqualifier, but Jesus says being a sinner is a prerequisite to knowing God. Not only does being a sinner not disqualify you, it qualifies you because only those that see themselves as a sinner will see that they need a savior. Only those that will look into their heart of hearts, into the deepest fibers of their being and go, you know what? I don't have it all together. I can't do this on my own. There's got to be more to this life than this life. Only those who are honest with with the condition of their soul. Those are candidates for followers of Jesus. And that's good news today. Religion says it disqualifies you, but Jesus says it actually qualifies you. So Matthew, on hearing this, that I'm sick, he says, you know what, Jesus? That's offensive. (laughs) But you're right. And so it it continues. Uh, Jesus isn't done offending because he offends everybody. It's awesome. And the next, seriously, it's awesome. Read your Bible. It's really fun. In verse 13, Jesus adds one more thing. He says, hey, go learn what this means. In verse 13, get it up there for me. There you go. But go and learn what this means. And he's telling the Pharisees to go learn something. And this is so offensive to them. Because their whole job in life was to learn and be good. Learn and be good. Hey, what do you do? I learn and I'm good. That's their whole job in life. And Jesus says, hey, go read a book. Let me teach you something. And he quotes the prophet Hosea from the Old Testament. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And he said, hey, translation, if you don't get it yet, I've not come to call those who are righteous. Those who think they have it all together. Those that think they don't need me. But I've come to call sinners. People that know they need to change. That know that there's better for them. Jesus is not okay with just people who know the right things and do the right things. Because if that's you, you find yourself outside of the room that Jesus is in. You're a Pharisee. Jesus is looking for people like you and like me that know I'm jacked up. And by the way, if you're perfect, get up and go. I'm going to mess you all up right now. <laughs> Nobody? Didn't think so. Religion says change and you can join us. Religion says change, get your stuff together together. Look the part, check the boxes, and then you can join us if we think you're good enough. But Jesus says, join us and you'll change. Just follow, join us and you'll change. And are there some things in your life that don't need to be there? Sure. Are there some things in your life that you should start doing? Yes. Remember, Jesus just says, hey, come follow me. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more you become the person you've always wanted to be in the first place. Just come follow and you'll look yourself in the mirror sometime from now, months, years, whatever and you will not recognize yourself and you'll breathe a sigh of relief that you've always wanted and go, oh, there I am. Man, that addiction doesn't have a hold of me like it used to. I have a I have a peace in my heart that transcends all understanding of circumstance. Wow, I'm just nicer to people, and I have more hope. And Gosh, I'm just different. And it wasn't because you played the Jesus Says game over and over. It wasn't because you were following rules. It's because you just followed Jesus, and he changed you. Because you can't. And you might be sitting out there thinking, you know what, Nick, that's nice for Matthew in that ancient book that I don't even know if I believe. You might be thinking, hey, that's nice for all these good Christian folk around me that look like they have it all together. They don't, by the way. You might be thinking, this doesn't apply to you. Because you might feel like you're too far gone. Because the things that you've done Places you've done them, the people you've done it with, that God could never love you. I remember the first time that I held my baby girl. And parents, you know this. It's just an uncontrollable feeling of unconditional love. And it's 100% irrational. (laughs) Like it makes absolutely no sense that I would love something so very much. And I remember holding my baby girl, Ella, in my arms and just weeping tears of joy, and I've never done that before in my life. And I just loved her so much for no reason. She has done nothing to prove herself, yet I wanted to give her everything. Honestly, she was a little sticky and yelled, and it was, she was a little bit annoying at first. But even then, <laughs> I wanted to give her everything because she was mine. That's it. She had done nothing to prove herself. I loved her because she was mine, period. That's all I needed. Then a few hours later, babies do what babies do. And parents, you know this Again. The first bowel movement is like black tar from the pit of health itself. I mean, it's it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's nasty, it's nasty. I'm sorry, it's true. And uh, I saw her in her mess. And what I didn't do, I didn't look at my baby girl. I didn't say, how could you? You're disgusting. Here, let's do this. How about you clean your mess up, clean yourself up, I'll leave, I'll come back, and then I'll evaluate whether you can join our family based on your level of cleanliness that you could attain on your own. That's ridiculous. I didn't say that. No, I I scooped her up and I cleaned her. And, man, I'll tell you what, daddy ninja diaper skills, I did it. And that was actually the first diaper I'd ever changed in my life. But I wanted to set a precedent. That's my baby girl. And I cleaned her, I scooped her up, and I held her close. Why? Because she was mine, and because I love her, and I knew she was incapable of cleaning herself up. No matter how bad she wanted to, if she didn't want to, I don't know. She couldn't clean herself up, and that's what God did for you. That's what God did for you. Because religion says, hey, clean up so you'll be loved. Do it yourself. Clean up your life. Do better. Try harder. How could you? You're disgusting. Clean up. And then you might have a shot at love. But Jesus changes everything. And he says, I love you. So I'll clean you up. I love you. So I'll do something for you that you are incapable of doing for yourself. That's why 2,000 years ago, God sent Jesus Christ to the earth. Because you and I were in a mess we couldn't clean up called sin. And that sin separated us from God. But Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, a life that you cannot live and that I cannot live because you are not perfect, and neither am I, but Jesus was. And Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, performing miracles, healing people, teaching people, doing things that only God could do because he was God in the flesh. And then one day, some of those same people that he healed and loved and taught thought he deserved to die. So they took Jesus, the perfect son of God, and they beat him till he was unrecognizable. The Bible said that he looked like a beast. So if you knew Jesus before getting beat, you wouldn't recognize him that bad. They put a crown of thorns, shoved it on his head. They whipped him 39 times with a cat of nine tails, which is a whip with Bone and metal and glass weaved into it. 39 times they hit him. And every time they hit him, the metal and glass and bone ripped through his flesh until I'm sure a lot of his insides and spinal column were exposed. Then they took Jesus, the perfect son of God, and made him carry a heavy wooden death machine called the cross they took him, they laid him down on that cross and plunged huge spikes through his wrists and through his feet, and they stood, Jesus, the perfect son of God, up on that cross to die. And let me just tell you, I believe with every fiber of my being that if you were the only person to ever suck wind off of planet earth, Jesus Christ would have died on that cross just for you. Just for you, sir. Just for you, ma'am. Just for you and for you. For you and for you. And for you and for you. You came in late, but for you too. You. Jesus hung on that cross and he said, It's finished. He breathed his last breath and then he died. And if it ended there, it would have been travesty, it would have been a failure. But three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the grave in all, in all power over sin and death in the grave forever and ascended to heaven. Why? So that you could be forgiven for all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt, all of your junk. Forgiven for all the dirty, disgusting things that you've done in dark places that you never want to think about or talk about again. Even those things. You can be forgiven. It's white clean. So you can have a new life full of purpose, meaning, joy and fulfillment on this earth and so that when you die, you never really die. You get to live in eternity with God forever. Religion says follow rules. But we know that doesn't work. Jesus simply invites you and me today and every day to follow me. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.